Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, a podcast on the precipice of greatness. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And uh, the Buffalo Bills are venturing towards uh, unheard of heights, uh, at least for the last 20 or 20 plus years, um, as they, they defeat the Ben Roethlisberger-led Pittsburgh Steelers for the first time in that iteration. Um on on Monday on Sunday night, twenty six to fifteen, uh, and they inch themselves closer. They they basically are um, a hair's breadth away from just falling into the playoffs at this point. Um, but also one win or one Dolphins loss away from capturing the AFC East crown, something that has eluded them since the nineteen nineties. Um, we will get to that a bit more, as well as many of the other things that they might just do this year. Um, but first, let's reflect upon the game. Let's go to our UK correspondent first, Scott. Scott, uh, you know, from my vantage point, Scott, the, the the Bills, you know, it was a little slow to start for everybody. And, you know, the, the Steelers capitalized. And then it was kind of all Bills. I mean, did you have that impression as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I was, you know, I remember my my pick last week. I, I picked the Bills to win, but I think I picked them closer. Um, I, I thought... The, the what, first 27 half to 24 game, was your pick, Scott, just for the formal so I, had the, mm-hmm. I had the bills, I had the bills on the right spot, but I, I thought the Steelers would have put up more of a fight. I thought their offense was going to have more on track and I was surprised. I mean, I, I mean, I'd like to, the, the bills did do a lot to win this game. I will put some of this on the Steelers that they're clearly going through some stuff right now in Pittsburgh, like the last two games, obviously everyone's kind of now drawn this as a pretty negative trend line that they're on. Um, starting with that Ravens game where they played terrible but only beat the Ravens because the Ravens were fielding a mid-major college squad at that point. Um, but I expected that the the Steelers would kind of see their season starting and the one seed start slipping away and put up more of a fight. Um, I think they were trying, but I think they just didn't – I think they were a less talented team, and they don't think they executed as well as the Bills did. Some of that's due to injuries on Pittsburgh part. But, um, you know, that's that's nobody cares. You know, that's this is December. It's everyone's going to be a little dinged. The Bills are in better shape than most. And, yeah, I mean, obviously, Allen was um, I, I guess I could say a little rattled early on. It seems like we did a really good job against T.J. Watt and did a terrible job against everyone else for the first half. It seemed like there was a lot of. Um, moving and shaking that had to happen for him to kind of get things open and find guys. And he was a little out of sync and not, not quite feeling it um, like he was obviously the week before. And then another, a classic bills, third quarter turnaround guys. If we've seen it once, we've seen it a million times where the bills come out of the half, like a house on fire and just put a team away in the third quarter. It's, um, boy. it's truly been consistent all year that the, the one thing that they do well is fire on all cylinders after the half. So, Absolutely. They play – maybe we figured out they can only play one good quarter <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the second half. They have to pick right. one of two. And and tonight and on, on Friday, they – I mean, they still played well in the fourth quarter. It's, I mean, yes, the Steelers had – kind of a, a garbage timey, not quite garbage time, but a, a little bit of a touchdown kind yeah. of drive. In the a a refuse to timey, you know, not quite full. Yeah, it was like the recycling, right? right? It was like, it wasn't stinky, compost, but it was like, maybe, yeah. Yeah, co- yeah, maybe it was compost, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, but the, the, yeah. So, I mean, it was a good, good performance. And obviously um, 
you know, we'll, we we can talk more about Stefan Diggs. He'll 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 definitely be brought up in in three stars. That's a easy bit of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, again another complete. And the other thing is another complete kind of team game, um, which is nice to see. You know, the the defense really playing well, doing a really good job. I was worried about James Conner coming in kind of fresh off the energy off the injury. Um, and him, you know, kind of maybe torching the run defense a little bit, but the whole Steelers ran 17 carries for 47 yards is fantastic, obviously. Um, and the Steelers only, I think had like 225 yards for the game, which is, which is just, I mean, again, some of that's a little bit the Steelers and them being dinged, but, and, and, and dropping passes, which again is entirely. I guess is a thing with them, but like. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, like, okay, Ebron doesn't get three. Yeah. I mean, if you look at him, you know, there's like three targets to three catches and, and certainly Deontay Johnson has his problems, but yeah. I don't know. They, they're, they were a dink and dunk. I was made clear, like they're a dink and dunk team that can't dink and dunk. So, you know, yeah. and if you can't do that and you can't run, man, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, yeah. Let me right. switch over to Paul. was dinking, but they couldn't, the receivers could not dunk. There was, there was no dunking. I think that the, the, the run defense has gotten, better and i think that you know um some of that is who you're playing and some of that is also they've got you know i think that there's a groove on defense that's that's been solidifying as people have come back and and people have gotten more playing time you know another good performance by you know aj not like terrible performance by aj klein uh paul i know you're excited to share the first defensive touchdown in several years so why don't you uh get to your your thoughts on the game and then we'll we'll kind of take another lap yeah, the um, I want to fixate in on one thing Scott said right in the middle of his recap. He said Pittsburgh is a less talented team. So let's think about that for a second. The then 11-1 Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah. one of the preeminent teams for years that the Bills had not beaten since the 1990s, I believe, until last season. Uh, Scott is saying is a less talented team than the Buffalo Bills. And Scott is right. And this is... A few weeks ago, we were recapping the Cardinals game right after it happened. And I said, they, the Bills are a good team, but are they a great team? I will not believe it until I see a few things. I need to see them get through the third quarter and use that to put some distance between them and the opponents. I need to the, see the defense learning to stop the run, learning to stop some good running backs. I need to see them putting away an opponent at the end. And when Frank had asked me then, after all this, you know, what do you really need to see to feel that they're a great team? I said, well, I think I need to see them beat Pittsburgh. And this is a great team, guys. This is a very difficult time for me because this is when I should be looking at over the cap to figure out next year's salary cap <laughs> situation and how they're getting, you know, uh, you know, going to be getting rid of some of these bad contracts and figuring out what guys to sign. It is when I start asking Scott questions about the draft and who's coming in. And it is so against my nature to just enjoy the moment generally in life, but especially with the Buffalo Bills, because I haven't been able to do that for several decades now, that this is just a bizarre time for me, period, to try to be processing all of this. But it really has been enjoyable. And if you're a Bills fan now and you're thinking about, what are they going to do about Milano and Feliciano and Daryl Williams in the off season? And, you know, oh, it's a shame that this is happening during a COVID year. And this like, st- stop all that crap. Just focus on the fact that there is no debating this is a great team. And past years, they can compete with a team like the Steelers because 
the Bills might have had a competitive team. Sometimes I'll even be able to beat a team like Pittsburgh because, you know, blind squirrel nut, you know, happens from time to time. They now beat Pittsburgh because they're a great team. Pittsburgh's also at least a very good team, if not a great team when fully healthy. And the Bills had no problems knocking them off. So since we're taking another pass, I'll leave it at that other than to say, yeah. since, for, since you mentioned even touchdown, Frank, in my first pass, I want to mention Teron Johnson, just yeah. what a big play he made. But that that's it. Yeah, it, um, and it's just a bit a nice bit of symmetry I was thinking about because, of course, you know, last year they do clinch the playoffs as we attend the game in Pittsburgh City. Um, and then if you think back to um, the, you know, the last time that they had, the, we probably talked about this last year, the last time that they really had a chance to sort of sew up a playoff spot during the big drought was the malarkey you know, game and they're playing against the scrubs of the Steelers, not even the Steelers. And they, they can't win that game at home. Um, and, and to sort of, it's a weird bit of symmetry that once again, you know, they don't, they don't quite get everything they need this week, but they absolutely, you know, put the nail in the story of, okay, you know, is Buffalo good? I mean, there's not many people left that they have to beat to prove that they are, you know, that they belong in this conversation. I mean, clearly they do belong in the conversation. Um, and that's just sort of a nice bit of symmetry I was I was thinking about this week. Um, you know, Allen plays a, a, a really great game, I think, that, you know, he throws the pick early. He's frustrated early. They obviously, you know, we've had suggestions that today's um, episode should be called Halftime Adjustments, and we probably will, <laughs> in fact, name it that because I think that there is uh, – it was probably the, the nicest um, bit of growth that I've seen them – do throughout the evolution of a game. Now, I, I, I sort of agree. I don't sort of agree. I fully agree with Scott that Pittsburgh was the weaker team. But I, I still think that, you know, there was things there that they needed to do to turn the game around. And they really did. They really changed how they played in the second half. And the emphasis to get the ball to Stefan Diggs and let him absolutely take over the game was excellent. Um, it, it was it was just a really good game. And, and God bless Levi Wallace, who I feel like has been asked to do things above his pay grade all year to varying levels of success. But honestly, last week and then this week, at the, even from the beginning, like he kind of had played well. And for him to get that pick, um, it was just delightful. I felt very good for, for Levi Wallace, who, um, you know, ultimately, I think we've said more than once, like you're not you, there was never an expectation or there should have never been an expectation that he he was going to be the number two corner. Um, this year and to see him sort of get in there and play well um, was great. I was also just, you know, look, anytime one of the Watt boys can be neutralized because I kind of just have like a, a visceral dislike of them. Um, <laughs> I, I'm happy. So the fact that like TJ Watt was basically they didn't even really do very much. It looked like it looked like he just got handled, to be honest. Um, and they did well. And I I, I don't know. There, there was some talk about. You know, is this a different game if Bud Dupree's playing and other things? Maybe, but I don't know. I still think that Buffalo was the superior team, and you know they made some adjustments. And I, I would have still want, I would have still been picking the Bills with Bud Dupree. I still don't know what the offense is going to do for Pittsburgh, even if the defense is a lot better. Um, so let's let me put this. Um, no, you know what? I think I want to put some of the stats I pulled up in context later. I think we'll do it after three stars because I think Scott will probably pick some of those people for three stars um, there. Uh, oh, and good job on Corey Bohorquez uh, for his, like, absolute, like, biggest game of the year 
you know, five, pun- five <laughs> His biggest half of the year, because he actually didn't punt in the second half. Right. After he punted like crazy oh, in the first. That's what I was going to say. And I'll lead into Scott. Scott said that, and I don't, not picking on Scott here, but Scott's like, you, I guess you only get one good quarter in the second half. But, you know, this the, the, the fourth quarter was essentially two drives by the Bills, one of which scored points directly after uh, the, the Steelers did. And the last one seals the game. And like, you know, that was, I think, one thing that I don't know that Paul mentioned, but I think that we hadn't seen was, OK, you know, did the Bills have a four minute offense or a five? Well, they had a seven minute offense, you know, to the point where they just like sat on the ball. Like they ended up in victory formation without even trying to like score. So, you know, I remember at the beginning of that drive, I was thinking, well, make this a two score game again and we'll 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 go from there. And it never even got there. Um, so, you know, yeah. absolutely. Just a great, uh, and then let's we'll, we'll we'll snake draft this, Paul. You you go you go first, and then back to Scott. Um, but you know we'll do that. What were yes. your thoughts on that, and anything else you want to mention on the game? It, 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 we actually have a smooth transition here because I was going to talk about that last drive. Really, is my my focus, which Tim Graham had a great article on, and and Frank had mentioned we haven't really seen that out of the Bills. Um, that was the NFL's longest end of game drive this season by any team. By 51 seconds, it was one of the five longest against a playoff team, which the Steelers have clinched and are going to be in the 21st century. It was the longest drive by the Bills in, it it says, since at least 2000, since they go back. It is Buffalo's final possession ranks the 10th longest against uh, any playoff opponent since 2000, for that matter. And yeah, it's the longest we have seen out of them. And that is a statement drive. They didn't do anything crazy on that drive. They had a few runs, had one good deceptive scramble by Josh, but we were talking about the plays that he, turned it around. Sorry. He slid, he, sorry, he slid a little too early. It was so funny because I he was did. certain that I was certain he had a first down and then I looked up and it was third and one and they were like rushing to get the first down. And I was like, what? The, what? the one <laughs> yeah. time he did that. Right. Yep. <laughs> he's just so inexperienced sliding. He's like, I just need to get it so that after my slide he's, is done, I'm past this mark. He's, I'm like, he's no, lateral it sideways at the third, <laughs> third and one line. I felt but like they should have just given him the field. first. He was so like not even close. They should have just given him the first down. Per, I was just like, okay, whatever, fine. Like, there's no Stealer near him. He was clearly just close. doing that right, to get yeah. the first down and get. It. But actually, that worked out really well because it was a yard short. So that's it up third and one and Moss picks up two and then you get a new series of downs. So it actually buys you an extra down in the grand scheme of things. So that drive was a thing of beauty. Frank had also mentioned some game turning plays. Obviously the Teron Johnson one is a big one, but you also looked on that last drive. They quickly found themselves in first and 20 and then they got it to, I think third and 12 or so. And then Dawson Knox, who'd been quiet most of the day, he comes up with a big catch. That was a game changing play for sure. Uh, Levi Wallace's pick is another one of those that put the nail in the coffin again, putting a team away, which we hadn't seen the bills do and generally just coming out of that third quarter and Stefan Diggs taking over the ball game are things that we have just been waiting to see this team do. And, and again, one thing that kept me from categorizing them is great up until really the last you know week or two where I can't really deny that anymore. So what is also good to see is they are now, uh, longest drive Pittsburgh ever allowed. I don't think I ever, I'd mentioned that longest game ending drive that Pittsburgh ever allowed since they've been keeping track of that sort of stuff. Wow. So it was simply a, this was as, as dominant of a second half performance as you could see 
they did what they had to to hang when they weren't playing very well as scott uh covered especially in that as far as that opening half went and you know all in all i don't want to belabor the point any further but just really i have nothing but positive things to say about how they handled themselves against an 11-1 team to make this a snoozer when you have boxed paul into the corner where he can't really pick anything out bad Paul is not right. negative, but Paul is the first person to like go, yeah. He, yeah. as one of our question people points out, like you always have the guy in Western New York that that's going to say that, like, how are they going to screw this up? And we have all been that person. I am not <laughs> picking on Paul, but I feel like Paul is the last refuge of that. Scott's right. a little different. That's fair. And we're going to have a... like, Scott is like, no, it was never as good as you thought it was, Frank. <laughs> Paul is like, how are they going to fuck this up? And to be I fair, am, if we get to yeah. this day in Bill's headlines, we're going to have an example of Frank saying, how can they fuck this up? So that's a little preview. Awesome. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay, good. I've already forgotten whoever I said last week that you said would be an answer to a question. So if you turned it right around, <laughs> I, I'm already going to lose that one. But Scott, let you get the final word. And of course, feel free to segue right into uh, the single most dominant segment in all of Buffalo Bill's podcasting, the three stars. Um, if not the best, it's certainly the most dominant, you know, but we have both, so it doesn't matter. Well, but yeah, it's like Paul's, Paul's the finest and I'm the bravest. Or Exactly. Both. Right. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so briefly, um, shout out. I was going to good point on Bohorquez and shout out all the special teams, really uh, Bohorquez included, because definitely I would say that the Steelers were having more success in the first half, but every time they would get close, they'd get the defense would get a stop. And then Bohorquez in whether because of either hidden yardage or they, their punter didn't do, they'd end up going back to the 20 and having to restart. They never really got into that field goal range where they could start turn, turning that good field position into field goals or, or getting closer to the end zone. And that's part of that was Bajorquez. Um, yeah. And Sorry, then Andre Roberts still like another, like hasn't, you know, didn't, didn't pop one, didn't, didn't get the, 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 the touchdown, but you know, if you want a guy who's going to get you pretty, pretty close to 30 yards on like almost all your returns, like he's pretty good. He's that guy. If they don't re-sign him at the end of the year, he will go down in history as the greatest Bills kick and punt returner to never bring one to the house. Like, I don't yeah. even think there's a debate on that. Yeah. Yeah. The Steelers uh, shot uh, themselves in the foot there a little too, because there were, I mean, they were punting on their side of the field a lot. And like, you know, it was one of those things where you could tell the difference between the Bills and other teams because- you wouldn't think that like fourth and three, you know, like that's almost like a I don't want to say it's a given, but I think that you, you're you a little more surprised now if the Bills aren't going for it fourth and three on the on the positive side of the field. And the Steelers yeah. were playing that game of like, oh, we'll, I mean, well, they're they're I mean, they're playing because they're together. They, I mean, just, who they, what is the what is the play call that they run? Like throw yeah, it to a receiver. Yeah, throw it two <laughs> yards and but, <laughs> try but and get like, the third. Hope, 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 hope that the receiver catches the ball. Like right. that's yeah. the problem. Like, yeah, it, they, they have to ask those questions at that point where I think the bills bills don't. Um, I would like to do one brief question to you two gentlemen mm-hmm. before I go into three stars. Mm-hmm. Is Dawson Knox good or is Dawson Knox bad? <laughs> I, I can't be a Sith. I can't speak in absolutes on that one. So I will simply know. I know right now he's bad. That's what I'm going to say. Okay. But I think, two yeah. years, I think two years ago, Josh Allen was mediocre. He had good moments and bad moments, but I fully acknowledge that he could be great. So I will do the same with Dawson Knox. Right now, okay. he's bad. Potentially yeah. good. Knox has his issues. I mean, I will say that this this past week was his Bills fan box, and his was the school of hard knocks in Bills colors. Yeah. 
And I like the shirt, and I like that he raised money for charity, but um, I have no but, comment on But we should on... never be missing Charles Clay, and I'm missing Charles Clay. I, I don't miss Charles Clay. I mean, it's not there. But, <laughs> yeah. It is a little odd that, that Tyler Cross not getting some run here. I, I don't know if they're trying to evaluate mm-hmm. Knox or what. I'm definitely, like, Paul is, is exactly correct. That's where I was going to land is, like, yeah, he's bad now, but he is also the Josh Allen of tight ends. Like, Possibly, yep. he does yeah. some things where it's like, oh, that was awesome. He's six six, and he loved, jumped like two feet in the air to catch that ball. And got two feet down in the end zone. That was awesome. And then, yeah. you know, turn around and I'll throw it to you, and he drops it. And you're like, Yeah, what the fuck, man? Come on. I, like, I look back at the rookie years, and I think of Josh Allen hurdling Anthony Barr, equaling Dawson Knox his rookie year, stiff arming the hell out of that Bengal on that game yes. game winning yeah. drive, and yeah. like shows that shows that that fire is there shows that that ability is there but hasn't been put together yet at this point they might be saving Croft like for like a playoff move too it could be one of yes. those deals where like week one we show up and all of a sudden like the Tyler Croft package comes in and you're yeah. like what? what what is all this yeah, yeah, yeah they did it with Duke Williams last exactly. year but didn't quite I wouldn't be surprised if, if Brian Dable is holding Tyler Croft back <laughs> they're gonna unleash him, unleash him on yes. the unsuspecting <laughs> Indianapolis Colts <laughs> We'll never see him coming, this tight end. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, yes, we will get to three stars. Um, we will do some honorable mentions first. And nobody from the Steelers. Wah, wah, wah. Um, no, that's too bad for them. No, uh, honorable mentions. Levi Wallace gets one for that nice interception to kind of seal, eh, functionally seal the game in the fourth yeah. quarter. I mean, there was a little momentum there, but then it was pretty much sniffed out with that interception. So well, well done by him. Uh, Andre Roberts gets another one, another honorable mention for him. Cause why not? I'm feeling generous. Um, other honorable mentions I had, let's see. I think that was it. I think I had Tremaine Edmonds had a good game again, a good game holding the, the Steelers in check in the run game, which is the thing that I was worried about. And just in general, kind of playing better, um, we'll get to him in a minute in the injuries. Hopefully he's he's doing okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I think that will take us to. Uh, yeah, I will. Eh, I was gonna maybe give one to Zach Moss, but I, I'm not sure. He he had a nice, he had an okay game. You know. Yeah. And a great fumble. last drive. Great last. Yeah. Drive. The night the last drive was the killer, right? Yeah, that was the good one. Um. So we will go to your three stars then. And your third star is Teron Johnson, seven tackles for solo. And obviously the big interception return for a touchdown. Um, you know, again, we've, we've discussed Teron in the past. He has not had a great season. You know, one interception return for a touchdown does not change the fact that he wasn't playing well in some of the other games. But he damn damn well played good in this one and made, made a play that, you know, the Bills needed. And you don't know, you know, You'd like to think that the Bills could have come out firing in the in the second half anyway and won this in a shootout regardless, but it is definitely going to be a different game. You know, the Steelers were not quite driving, but they were in the area of being dangerous with about a minute and a half, two minutes left, and the ball, and a 7-3 lead going into half. Um, but then uh, Teron gets, does a nice job, reads the eyes all the way, gets the pick, runs it back, nice play. So third star for him. Second star goes to Mr. Josh Allen. Not his best game, but again, against a good Pittsburgh defense, even with uh, Dupree out, obviously still had some other guys there. Didn't have a great first half, but still ended up with 238 yards and two touchdowns. Had the interception, um, the sack. Yes, it's going to happen, especially if he's going to be dropping back 44 times. You're going to get some sacks. Um, 
and then had six carries for 28 yards. Again, one kind of ill-timed slide, but other than that, pretty well. Um, the fumble, I feel like, was that him or was there a fumble? I'm trying to remember if there was a fumble. Uh, according to the box score. There was. It was It was Moss too early. Was that it? Yeah, right. It was or am the, I thinking of the week before? No, hold on. One sack, one pick. This was the, yes, it was that, right? Because this was the two, no, the two goal line stops was the week right. before against the Niners. Right, yes. yes. Yeah, no fumble this week, I don't think. Oh, well, it has one here for him. Oh, he recovered it. It was a sack from, he did get sacked at yes. one point. Yes, that's right. And, okay. Yeah. But again, he, he got on, you know, again, it's going to, ha- you're, he needs to do a little bit better on the sack sometimes. But again, if you drop him back enough, it's going to happen on some level. So, um, so yeah, he gets the second star, a nice game from him. And obviously the first star goes to Stefan Diggs, who we, we didn't, we, we talked, touched over a little bit, but 10 catches, 130 yards and a touchdown, obviously, um, didn't have the, the ball on the reverse, I think, or an end around at some point, um, as well. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that was a pretty remarkable, um, and again, you want to talk about Steelers injuries, Joe Hayden potentially not being in there. Yeah, it's a problem, but hey, it's December at this point. You got the mm-hmm. team you got. Um, you know, it sucks, but that's that's life. You know, on the NFL. Um, the but but I mean, they they you know credit to Dable for figuring it out. Um, they needed to go max protect coming out of the half and just get the ball to Diggs and let him catch it short, make him cover him. You know, find crossings, find curls, whatever. Um, you know, he's, he's been making it work all season. Um, but this was a game where we really needed him. And he was the one who was able to get the whole offense moving, uh, on those two touchdown drives. Um, I think he had six catches in the third quarter alone. So that was, um, a nice, a really, really, really solid game gets him back into the league lead in receptions, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And Mm -hmm. in top hundred even. Yep. We'll have more on that in a second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, like a super, you know, we've been, I mean, and again, you know, whatever. I mean, uh, Minnesota's probably happy with Justin Jefferson. Uh, I think he's got, he's got like a thousand yards already for him. So, mm-hmm. you know, good, good for him, you know, great. But I think I'll, I'll take digs and we needed, we needed a veteran, I think coming in, um, to help, um, set the tone, um, be a leader, and, and know how to do all the route running that Dable, you know, Dable, say this, if you want to accuse him of something oh, being overly complicated and having too, com- too many complexities in the offense, it's probably something that you could accuse him of. Um, and I think that's for the best because creativity and being complex is unfortunately sometimes how you win in this ge- in this league. You, have, you can't just always assume that you're going to have better talent. Um, but having a receiver who can understand that complexity and understand the route trees and understand how things mesh, mesh together um, – you need someone who can do all that, and Diggs is clearly that guy. In addition to having the talent and the and the speed and the hands and everything else, so those are your three stars. Amazing, Justin Jefferson. I, I was going to say, sorry, yeah. Justin Jefferson would not be playing as well in Buffalo as with Minnesota, and Stephon Diggs would not be having the season he is in Minnesota he is in Buffalo. So yeah, I can't I imagine either side's disappointed. It's probably a good trade for everybody, and one of the nice corollaries to to Scott's point about. Uh, the complexity of the offense, of course, you need Josh Allen to run it. And and the, here he is in year three running by all means, like a kind of decently complex offense, you know, like there's different wrinkles every week. And he sort of, you know, he felt at ease, even when he was rattled, I never felt like, I think you were, or I forget which one of you said it was like, 
you're like, okay, like he usually shakes. I think it was Paul tweeted like he usually shakes these kinds of things off, and he sure did. And so that was a great thing for him. A couple of quick notes. Uh, that was the first sack, by the way, of Ben Roethlisberger since week eight of this year. Mm-hmm. And so that's you know an impressive, an impressive stat. And since we're talking about digs, and the other and the other things, let me get you to uh, what I had. Um, I'm just going to read verbatim from our our, our text chain here. Uh, the Bills can tie their best record in modern team history at 13 and three. Uh, they did have a 12 and two, I said 12 and four, but I meant 12 and two back in the 14 game season year. Uh, so one of one of their one of their uh, 64 or 63 AFL championships was a 12 and two team, which would technically be a better percentage. But uh, the best that the modern teams have ever done is 13 and three. Josh Allen is 718 yards away from Drew Bledsoe's single-season yards passing record. He is currently 1.2% ahead of his nearest competition uh, for completion percentage if you allow for 200 minimum passing attempts. The guy uh, behind him, which blew kind of Paul's mind on Twitter, Kelly Holcomb, uh, (laughs) and he he has five touchdowns, five passing touchdowns behind Kelly. He's already ahead of Kelly for most all-purpose touchdowns. He's five passing touchdowns behind with three games to go. All of those seem achievable. And then the other thing is Diggs is tied with Eric Moulds on receptions um, at 100. The most receptions in Bill's history is 100. Um, Eric Moulds had 180 targets that year. And in <laughs> and again, that was just the first half of the Bengals finale. I went Exactly. To. It was 180 <laughs> targets for Eric Moulds and and and. And Diggs is 46 fewer targets than that, and he's ninth in yards, but he's really only 201 yards behind Moulds for first, which he had in a different year. So Moulds in two different years had the, the, the most receptions and the most yards. And here is, you know, Stefan Diggs having, you know, two two or three good games, like pretty good games away from breaking. Like he's he's one awful game away from breaking one of those records, and he's like two good games away from breaking both. And I mean, 718 yards for Allen, like that he could miss that. He could make that like that's kind of depends. It, it could depend uh, on. I what, think it's going to depend on what happens the next two weeks, if he plays against Miami or not. I think if he, yeah, like if he does a 300 yard game and he gets down to 400 and and then it's like another 200 yard game, like they might put him in Miami. Exactly. It could be like he ends up playing 16 weeks instead of seven or, or sorry, 15 weeks instead of 16. And that's why he falls short. But you know, there's no particular reason to think he would fall behind um, uh, Holcomb for completion percentage. Like it's it's narrow, but it's not that narrow as we have this many passes and five passing touchdowns. Like that's right at the line too, as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned. And what I had said to 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 Paul, and I'd like your thoughts on this, Scott. Too, we'll we'll, we'll start with Paul, and then you can collect your thoughts on it, Scott. Um, I mean, all of this is achievable. Obviously, I, I think. I think the other thing to point out is even though this is by many regards an inflated year, uh, particularly compared to the 90s and early 2000s when these other records were set, I think it's still remarkable and I think it's still notable um, because it's been 20 years. How many quarterbacks and receivers have we had where this conversation wasn't even the conversation? Like I remember, and I'll and I'll turn it over now. I remember when Bledsoe set the single season passing yard record. I was a little blown away that like, you know, Kelly had never had a four thousand yard season or whatever it was. And and so I'll turn it over to you, Paul. Do you want to make anything of these particular individual achievements or or near achievements? Yeah, I think the 
the two things I'll, I'll point out, the 4,000 yard season is always intriguing to me. And that's something Lars on our, on Bills and Beers is fixate on since before the 2019 season is he'll believe in Allen once he hits that 4,000 yard mark. And the reason it's notable to me that he has an extraordinarily good chance of doing it as long as he plays the next two weeks and plays okay um, is that he's compared this offense in Josh Allen to where it was last year and then compare last year's to the Josh Allen and the offense of the year before. Like he has improved just dramatically from season to season. And the Almost offense has a thousand improved. years per season. Like, yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's crazy how much he has just gotten better. And yes, he actually has real weapons now, but would have rookie Josh Allen been able to do what he's doing now with Diggs and Beasley and Brown and, and Gabe Davis and some of the other guys around him? No, he wouldn't be able to do this. He might have a, a 3000 yard season. Uh, Diggs would certainly make him look better, but he was just not, not who he is now. So I, it's extremely notable to me because I'm not even comparing this era to era and just saying, well, it's a different era. I'm just comparing it to last season and being like, these guys, uh, you know, look at what Josh has done to up the standard and to be able to break the records that he's going to break are phenomenal. I think he does touchdowns for sure. He should have completion percentage. Again, I would put the odds at yardage under, I think he gets to 4,000. I'm going to put him breaking blood. So his record under 50% simply because I don't see him playing a lot in the last week. Uh, based on yeah, some of the needs, he needs 360 yards to break 4,000, just 359. Right. And so that's, you know, half of what it would take to get to, to Bledsoe. Yeah. So I think he easily does that in the next two games. I don't think he plays the, the third game. So I think offensively, this is something, I mean, we haven't seen an offense this good since we've known each other, mm-hmm. uh, probably in the last two decades, I think. The Flutie offense where Mold set the yardage record was very good. The Bledsoe 2002 offense was excellent. I think we probably have to go back to 2002 to find an offense that was this good, which was your Bledsoe set his yardage record and Travis Henry was doing stuff in the backfield. So, yes, it is a a more pass-heavy era. Things are a little different now, but comparatively, this team is still just an offensive juggernaut compared to what we're used to. Um, briefly, I think two things I'll point out. I mean, I think, I think, you know, on one hand, I'm, I'm excited because I obviously think that Diggs is going to be with us a while. Allen's going to be with us a while. Um, you know, the, the, I, I think the, the question will be table in, in my mind of like, who of the, of the three of, of kind of who I'm holding responsible for how well the offense is doing, it's going to leave soon. Um, so, <laughs> and, you know, injuries happen, things happen. So I would say enjoy it this year because you never know if you're going to get another run like this. And then the corollary to that, therefore, is the no one's going to be satisfied with, you know, five years from now is like, oh, remember that year that Diggs broke the receiving yards record or (laughs) Allen broke the passing yards record. Like that's not going to be what we need to be remembering from the year. The year needs to be remember the year we made it to the AFC title game or the year we made the Super Bowl. Like that is the when you're having seasons like this, you have to capitalize them because you never know when you're going to get another shot um, at this kind of everything coming together. Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, Dable is is going to be very surprising if Dable if Dable is still on the team next year. Great. But uh, it's going to be tough to, to see how he is. So um, things things will change when if and when he leaves. So.
I agree with you on on Dable too. Like, I, there's been some pushback from uh, other podcasts, which are great, but I I don't know. Like, he's going to be sought after, and it's it's hard to turn down a job. That said, it doesn't mean he won't he he won't stay. There's plenty of reasons he might stay. He might really enjoy. There are plenty of offensive coordinators that. Enjoy I mean, he's from Buffalo. Let's not he's, let's not overlook that. <laughs> yeah, he's from Buffalo, and there's reasons why you might want your family to stay here, and and you're you got a good thing going, and you know he might have plenty of opportunities later to be a, a head coach as well. So. Well, and would you really want to go to like the Jets? You know, would you really want to be in such a crap right. situation? <clears throat> like, yeah, there's there's ownership issues and a lot of stuff. So you'd have to kind of see, you know, I think he's yeah, I think he's in a position where he could turn jobs down if he wanted to. Like, yeah. Right. If um, he gets the Chargers job, though, like if he's considered for that, I think he's got to go. A lot of good young talent, a quarterback in place. But well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. This, I think Anthony Lynn is, is doing San such Diego a bang up job. Of, is that a thing? What? Is that San Diego nicer than Buffalo? Is it is or Los letter? Angeles? Yeah, appreciably or Los Angeles. Damn it! Yeah. I've I've done it at least once. Podcast with San Diego, Los Angeles. Yeah, I've I've heard the weather's okay there. I haven't been there in uh, about four years, but it was, I, it was it was not bad. I refer you all to the Dar Williams folk song, uh, literally entitled "Sometimes California Wants to Be Western New York" to, um, <laughs> to you know, give yourself a counterpoint to to possibly everybody wanting to move to LA. Um, let me also read from the book of Frank, uh, the textbooks of Frank, as I just, look, I've been on prednisone, guys. I got a lot of energy. I had some time to look things up. And this is good because it brings us into um, our listener questions because I I directed an actual question to the audience this week on Twitter. Um, So the Bills are currently third, Kansas City first, and Pittsburgh second in the the seating. The AFC East crown – I don't want to say it's a done deal, but it's all but a done it's deal. It's a here. done deal, yeah. It's we're, all we're, but. Yeah. It's I, I'd say that the electoral college has cast its votes, and it is only a matter of counting them at this point that we are going to see that Buffalo has in fact won the AFC East. According to every simulator, the Dolphins' odds of winning each of their last three games is under fifty percent for all those three games. The odds of the Bills winning their last three games is over fifty percent for each of those games. So we would need. Literally five unlikely things to happen since the last game is yes. between Buffalo and Miami. And so, the odds of one unlikely thing happening or even two, they're there. But the odds of five are just extraordinary. Yeah, here we go. It's like, you know, too many too many swing state games. What can I say? Um, okay. the So I, I wrote this out once again reading. Looking at the tiebreakers for the first overall seed because it is worth knowing, I guess. Buffalo can finish 13-3, and three, and technically, Casey and Pitt could both finish 12-4 and four and 11-5. and five. So both Pitt and Buffalo could be – so that would be one way Buffalo could get the number one seed. Both Pitt and Buffalo could be 13-3, and three, and Buffalo would have the tiebreaker. That's a second way that Buffalo could get the number one seed. Those are the two cleanest scenarios, but require Kansas City dropping three games in a row at a minimum. Um, all three teams could finish 12 and four and 13 and three too, with no clear head to head winner. Um, so we, we would go to conference record. Buffalo would need Pitt and KC to lose one more game in the AFC to tie their best chance. Um, so without getting too deep into the weeds, this is the most, like the first two things I laid out are highly unlikely, but easy to understand. Buffalo finishes with a better, better record. Buffalo ties Pittsburgh. And has the hot head, the head break, the tiebreaker, the headbreaker. Um, <laughs> the, the headbreaker is in fact when they all tie. And I think that was need... a Papa Shango move in the mid nineties. Yes, exactly. That was a headbreaker. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, before he became the the, the pimp character. Uh, Godfather. Yes. That's right, the Godfather. Uh, Kansas City plays New Orleans, Atlanta, and the Chargers. 
Um, and so the issue there is two of those games are NFC teams, and that doesn't help you. Like, they lose those games that's good in one way, but it doesn't help you if you're all going to have the same record because the Chargers is the only game that can help them. Pittsburgh has Cincinnati, Indianapolis, and Cleveland. So the only the last game for KC helps. And after that, you get into record against common opponents, which I am not ready to calculate. And, you know, look, if you go to the playoff calculator, it's like a 1% chance that Buffalo is going to It is have, exactly a 1% chance, yeah, according right, to okay. New York Times. Yes. Right. So now the big question is this. Um, I think that we can all concede that if uh, the – I think – you can concede like this week you're playing for the crown of the AFC East, right? Um, and if everything kind of breaks your way, maybe you go into next week and say, okay, we got to we got to play hard next week too, because you know we're still alive for this one seed and who knows. Um, <clears throat> but at some point, there's a question about whether there's a difference between the two seed and the three seed, and even the three seed and the four seed for Buffalo, because they're not going to finish worse than fourth. And really, like I think third seed is probably their um, their best bet. I'm kind of pulling up the NFL playoff picture as we talk. Um, and so that is what I asked the audience. I said, do you have any strong feelings about finishing second, third, or fourth um, with regards to playoff seeding in a year where you know, and going forward, only the one seed is going to have a week off technically. And I guess the other question is, depends on who your matchup would be uh, going into it. So why don't we get Scott's thoughts on it first? And then, Paul, you can give your thoughts and then we'll bring up the listener questions, too. We'll kind of launch in from there. So I am in favor of playing the next. To me, it's. The division, is, as, as Frank said, is the priority. And then the priority stops being really the seeding, per se, and more about the the wellness of the team and their playing shape and mental focus. And so to me, that means you um, – it's, it's, so it, it's not that – you know, the seeding would be great. Yeah, that's all fine. To me, I would play the week after – like you're playing a regular game and you're trying to win because, um, well, A, it'd be nice to beat New England just to kind of kick dirt in the eye on some level. Right. And then B, because I think there's an argument that taking one week off for week 17, everyone is accustomed to that as a way to keep your players healthy, rest up for the postseason, avoid, you know, run vanilla stuff. You can take one week off and no one's going to bust your bust your chops the impacts on the team itself will be minimal. I think two weeks off and the chances that are happening are much more, are much greater. I think there's a much better chance that if you give Josh Allen two weeks off, if you give um, Diggs two weeks off, if you give the defense key players two weeks off, that you're going to be slower coming back. I mean, frankly, you could argue that they were a little slow coming out of the gate last year. They had obviously in the Texans game, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they rested the week before they had the one good drive, but then, really, they actually didn't score another touchdown the rest of the game, right? Right. Like, yeah. Five so, five Hauschka field goals after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. I mean, they, they came out, they had one kind of clearly set set of plays that they had built with the trick play to put them in the end zone. Um, and they were they were a little sloppy. Now, again, the, this team is better than last year's team, so it may be a, a, a higher hill that they'd be coming down from. But I'd rather kind of limit that in general. And I'd say... 
let's let's keep our focus. They're on a bit of a roll right now, uh, and and try and finish strong. Get to you know, twelve and three, and then you're then you know let the chips fall away there may um, with whether you get the two or the three seed after that. Um, you know Pittsburgh Pittsburgh could could fall apart for a variety of reasons. Sorry about that. Very very emphatic. Uh, no, I thought that emphasized Scott's point wonderfully. I'll have my wife text during more uh, more good points later in the show. Uh, Paul, could you get us started uh, with your thoughts and then maybe read one or two of the responses to Twitter if you have it open? Um, so, yeah, on the um, on the seeding issue, one seed, when you're talking about some of the 1% chance, to me, not even worth the brain cells to worry about and to think Kent, Kent is going to lose a lot. Um, yeah, not going to worry about that. Scott pointed out correctly the division is the priority. Again, that's a, for, a foregone conclusion as we've we've assessed. 98 plus percent odds of that. Look at the New York Times simulator. This is what's interesting me on whether that last game is going to matter or not and whether Scott's emphasis on, okay, let's take that last week to rest if we can with caveat that you might want to play them a little bit more because they were so flat after that first drive in Houston last year. I looked at the odds of the Bills getting a number two seed. They are, if the Bills, they are right now at 28%. And if the team wins out, the odds of getting the number two seed will be 70% for the Bills, because all that will need is one Pittsburgh loss in the last three weeks. The number two seed matters from the perspective that you get that second, that division round home game. And while that may, that is not a season issue as it would be if we were in a year where there were fans not having to travel during times of coronavirus and not having to deal with the stressors generally of that, being on the uh, field you're familiar with, you know, there's a reason they call it home field advantage. And I think that would help. That said, if even if the Bills win their next two games and if Pittsburgh, say, wins their next two games and then they're due for a week 17 matchup against who the heck are they playing the last week of the season? It is where is. Bengals, Colts, and Browns are the Steelers' wow. next three games. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So they'll probably beat the Bengals. Colts and the Browns are going to be two tough, both teams shooting for playoff positioning there. So Yeah, decent offense from – Yeah, deep and, decent offense from Cleveland too. So um, Right. So I think we have to hope for the – this is what I'm hoping for the best-case scenario. You beat the Broncos and the Patriots – the Steelers somehow crap the bed against uh, the Bengals and they then proceed to lose to the Colts. And then the last game doesn't matter because you're a game up on them and you have the tiebreaker. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's what I'm hoping for. But I don't think I play people the last week, even if you have a chance at the two seed. If, unless you're in the driver's seat for the two seed, I don't. I don't, you know, play the players the last week. I play them for a half. I get them, get them to be refreshed and able to, you know, uh, feel like they're they're rested up, but also had some solid snaps during the game. So okay. that is my take on that. Personally. The only thing I would say before, and then we'll we'll start getting into listener questions, is I do think there's a difference between the three and the four seed. If you're the four seed, there's the chance that you're playing Kansas City the second week of the playoffs instead of the first instead of the the, the championship game. If you're in the two or three seed, you're not going to end up as the lowest seed left no matter what. So you won't play Kansas City the first you know opening yeah. week. I have so, the Ric Flair point of view, Frank. You gotta you want to be the man. You be gotta the man. Beat you, gotta the man. Be, you gotta beat him eventually. I don't think All anyone's right. going to take care of Kansas City for Buffalo. I no, I don't think so either. I just think that there is a emotional 
you know what? Like, if you think about, and this is a DC sports point, I apologize, but if you think of like the number of times the Capitals like lost in the second round to the Penguins, and really they probably were the second best team in the conference, and you're, and it's just like one of those things that hangs on your head. To me, there is a prestige about getting to the championship game, which is nice. It doesn't mean that like it makes it easier for you. I just, you know, if if you can beat the Browns and then play the Steelers again and then have to play the Chiefs, that to me is like, you know. But then again, you're right. You, you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. So however you get there, you're almost certainly going through Kansas City. Yep. But um, I'll give you the prestige argument because you might remember something called the Music City Miracle, yeah. which backs up your point. Tennessee beat Buffalo. Not even the Jaguars, who went 14-2 and two that season with two losses to Tennessee, played the Titans nearly as well as Buffalo did in Tennessee. And mm-hmm. the Titans were within, what, two yards winning the Super Bowl that year against the Rams? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the Bills, to me, were always the second-best team in the AFC that year, but they went out in the wildcard round by virtue of having to I'll, face the AFC champion. I'll also briefly say the, um, the there is also a bit of a if you want to think about the team in a long-term phase and kind of mental focus, maturity, stability, having the chance to play in an AFC championship game where it's literally the mental framework of if we win this game, we are going to the goddamn Super Bowl. Like that is, yeah. that is a level of like mm-hmm. of short of being in the Super Bowl. That is a level of intensity that I don't even know that like as like a, a normal adult American male, I can't even really <laughs> understand what that kind of intensity and what like I'm getting chills just thinking about it. And so I'd rather have us play in an AFC championship game and beat either regardless of what happens. If we play Casey in the division round or the conference round, I'd rather play in the conference game because then you're, then you've got that. We're one game away, the preparation, the focus win or lose, you know, hopefully we win. Great. If we lose next year, we'll know, We'll, we'll have been there, done that, and then you don't have right. to worry about the ump in some ways. Yeah. I, I, you know, and there's a, there's a weird, well, I don't want to, I'm getting ahead of myself now. I don't want to say what I, what I'm thinking in my head here. So we'll, we'll, we'll save that for later. Um, so when I ask this question, I mean, I got to go back to the, it's all confused and people have replied to different places. So these are all different thoughts. Um, uh, Alan Season, Eagle OC. I want them to go 13 and three just to see it. The seating between two and three, I don't think it is that important with the playoff setup this year, since I'm not sure home field is quite what it was without fans there. And I think that that is a lot of what our conversation was about. Mm-hmm. Mike Eller says, I do care. It matters for optics as well as for the likelihood of making the long run in the playoffs. Personally, I think it is more enjoyable when pundits are picking the Bills to win. And that's more likely with a high seed. Also, if the Bills get the two seed, they likely won out. So Mike makes some good points there. Um, do you want to read any of these, uh, Paul? Yeah, pro- uh, Jay, uh, before we get into his other question where he has another challenge for Scott, uh, probably not worth getting anyone hurt in the last week or two of the regular season to get it. Probably doesn't make a huge difference in matchups. You'll have to play winners anyway. That's my view. Uh, but it would help a little bit with shutting up announcers who gush over other teams. <laughs> that That is fair. There's some serious gushing happening about the Bills now, too, by the way, just so you know. People, Steelers fans were criticizing Collinsworth for talking about Josh Allen so much. I'm like, we've been dealing with this crap for years. 
Right now, Mike Mullen's opinion is, I don't care. The Bills could have to play every team in the AFC from worst to best Mortal Kombat style. Although you spelled combat with a C, and I'm a little disappointed, Michael. And I wouldn't flinch at the prospect. <laughs> but if you think it doesn't matter because Buffalo's that good, what would give you second thoughts? Um, I think we've already, I think we're all there. Uh, yeah. Nick Nick Gentile, Buff Nug says. Probably second, Gentile, knowing Buffalo Gentile. pronunciation. Okay. Uh, second seed buys us a second home playoff game with no crowds. Not sure it matters, but it would delay matching up with KC until the AFC championship game. Again, I think the three seed does that too, because you would end up playing the second seed. You would have four, five, six, or seven would have won. Well, if you're the, well, yeah, one of the lower numbers would have won. Um, that does it on those. And then why don't you read Mark and Jay's question and I'll get to Steven's questions after that. All right. That sounds good. So Mark says, I was going to ask about that D-line not being super productive. They're 14th in sacks, but I thought, well, our secondary has been productive, especially since we're first in fourth quarter takeaway. So I don't really have a question this week, except this is weird, right? Being good. Um, and on the D-line, I would note that they are an incredibly overpaid D-line. That is the highest paid defensive line in the NFL to be a middle of the road defensive line. But they kind of do that with the offensive line last year, right? They had to overpay Morse. They had to overpay, uh, well, we thought Feliciano was an overpay. That didn't turn out to be the case. They overpaid Clinton Spain. But they were so bad, they had to pay just to get to mediocre. And I'm fine that they've done that. And I feel they did put some good pressure on. And as Frank noted, it was the first time that Roethlisberger has been sacked by anyone since week eight. And, yeah, I bet I was good with how the defense did uh, on the whole, including the defensive line this week. And, being good is great. All right. You guys uh, can jump in on that or just. Oh, yeah, know. sure. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Scott. I have nothing to add. Uh, yes. All right. Good. And Jay, uh, friend, Scott's got a Scott's. This one's coming. Saving, saving my ammo for this one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Here we go. For those of us from Western New York, we all have relatives who will say the bills will screw it up no matter their record. Any holiday tips for conversing with them? Should we keep certain stats ready for ammo, or is it something to avoid, like talking politics, religion, or to Scott? Oh, such fire, such hot. S Scott, do you wanna do you wanna take him on first, or do you want a minute there? <laughs> I'm gonna need a minute on that. Yeah, okay. Sure. I, I can go ahead, Frank. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that the, the, the short answer is, Jay, that the people who are going to say that are not going to be convinced by anything you can say. And I don't like to say that because I am a hopeful person about bridges and connecting. And I'm a big person about I've been reading a lot of books about creating community. Honestly, it's, it's not that you asked this question, but, you know, we want to maintain our relationships with the people we love and we're friends with and, and find bridges with people that we can't. Um, and so the fact that you're about to burn a bridge with Scott that's on you. When it comes to the people who are going to give you shit about the bills, I mean, you can just talk to them and be like, I, I would honestly look them right in the eye and say, I am thoroughly enjoying this. Why are you trying to take it away from me? And just put it because sometimes it is that you don't want to convince them that they have to believe what you have to believe, but they should respect and honor the idea that like, this is fun for you. And why are you shitting on my parade? Because <laughs> The truth is, you don't know how this season's going to end. All you know, Jay, and I know, is right now it feels really good. And what they are protecting themselves against is the eventual emotional letdown. They have trust issues, and, you know, it's not that Buffalo's not warranted, okay? Like, it's not like we don't have a history here. I understand it. Everybody understands it. It's part of the psyche, you know? 
I've thought about the emotional healing that might happen were Buffalo to win a championship in any sport. Like it, it could it could lead to a weird renaissance. That that picture of like you know the perfect utopia that 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 meme on Twitter. Um, but for now, we don't know any of that. So my answer to those people, if they really need something said to them, has generally been like, I don't know, they're good. I love watching them play. They're so much fun. And I don't know why you're trying to rob me of that. And let them like sit with that for the rest of the night and kind of figure out why they're an asshole. That's that's kind of my thought, Jay. You know, if if you're not that kind of person, then yeah, I would just, you know, I'm sure any CBS or NBC talking head or ESPN pundit, you can parrot what they say. But for me, I'm like, you know, why don't we why don't we shine a line on what you're feeling? Um, Scott, I think, is going to be less charitable. No, if anything, Frank, I'm going to be less personal and aggressive. <laughs> taking this from a, from a point of, um, you know, hey, what do you think about this Bills here? I'm not sure they're going to do it. Too. Have you thought about how your words hurt me? That's Frank's response. That's <laughs> well, basically I mean, like, up. if if somebody's just giving you a little shit, then that's one thing. But it, Jay sounds like he's like like <laughs> he's like a little worried about like these interactions at home, and it's like. You know, I, I, I hope Jay gets some hugs over Christmas, uh, but... Jay is not worried about any of this. Jay has oh, no feelings. Jay, Jay has is no feelings. Okay. He's attempted to place on a more human-looking replicant skin over his <laughs> you know, cold robot body that he's been walking around with for the last several years. He's taken a new job where he gets to pretend he's a normal human civilian like, you know, other human civilians, but he's still... a cold robot underneath so just go find that subroutine that runs you know respond to criticism 3.4 and just you know execute that cyborg um no um yeah i I would say yeah i mean i don't if if people wanted to 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 kind of be downcast on the bills this year i you know whatever like i've got plenty of those talking points i can use too you know the the Feel free to to just, you know, don't – to me, like, that's the good thing about sports is you don't have to have – get worked up and have opinions about it. Like, if if someone was going to come talk to me and be like, boy, we really got to, you know, commit some ethnic cleansing here in the United States, then I'm going to have to have, like, a real conversation with that person and be like, nah, man, we really can't do that. And let's talk about – whereas – oh yeah i took it too seriously (laughs) if someone comes up to me and is like oh man the bills i think they're gonna blow it i'd be like yeah sure i could see that i mean i'm not all the way there but maybe we don't really need to get a big thing about it because it's the holidays right let's keep talking about football though because that's better than anything else um you know what it is it's it's that guy that sat next to us at the steelers game last year he sat next to me and he was (laughs) that guy and we're at the game and they're winning and he's like, the whole time, he's like, oh, man, what's he doing? He's going to blow it. And he just wouldn't shut the fuck up. <laughs> and he's an old man. And he was a Bills fan, but he was dressed all in black. And I didn't understand it. And I just wanted him to go away. So I guess I'm triggered. Okay. But at least I didn't bring up that cleansing. All right. Right. I was worried about us having to have a, you know, bringing up Ilsa Shewolf of the SS. But now that ethnic cleansing's on the table. No. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's easy territory. On Jay's question really quickly because we already spent a lot of time on it i would point to an example frank brought up earlier with the washington capitals who always lost in the second round who alex ovechkin would always hear about 
and now he's a Stanley Cup champion, and Phil Mickelson. And way back in the day, for those of us, John Elway, the Broncos mm-hmm. will always screw it up. Elway will never win a Super Bowl. And then he went out to win two. Peyton Manning's in that example. And <laughs> I have to, of course, uh, bring up with apologies to Scott that I have followed the Montreal Expos, Washington Nationals organization since 1985 as a hardcore fan and been disappointed every year for 24 years, nearly a quarter century. And then lo and behold, as a freaking wild card, they won the World Series and I'm wearing that that hoodie right now. So, yeah, it, they, these things get broken all the time. And I don't think you need any ammo. I just think you need to be like, hey, I guess we'll see. And then hopefully we exactly enjoy. Yeah, it's just, a, you know, it's funny because at at plus 40 now, I just am like past the point of feeling the need to like prove things to people. So it was funny because Jay's question like reminds me of what life was like 10 years ago when we were at a sports bar with other New York teams and I would have felt the need to defend the bills. And now it's like, I don't feel the need to defend the bills or that I'm a fan of them. I just like, I like watching them. They're good. Go piss in the corner. You jets fan, like leave me alone. Um, I wish you were being hyperbolic with, that, I wish I had was. And I think the bar owner wishes he we were being <laughs> hyperbolic, but he had to clean the pee. Um, Steven, the defense is really long time listener. Steven, the defense has really turned around since week one, not exactly smothering, but solid. And a couple of timely takeaways the last few weeks. What do you think changed Steven? You know, a few weeks ago, I think when they were having their big, what their quote unquote lull after the first four weeks where they kind of were a little wishy washy. I had said that, excuse me, I really do remember saying this and I'm going to pat myself on the back. I was saying they looked like a team that was missing some people and figuring themselves out and had a real good chance to gel at the end. I I said that. I know I said that. I said that about missing John Brown. And I said that as we were having struggles with Matt Milano missing. And I didn't realize AJ Klein was going to step in the way that he did. But you got to remember, like this team doesn't have the defensive line that it had last year. It doesn't have the linebacking core that it had last year. It takes time for those things to happen. There was no preseason. And not only that, but you had to kind of substitute players in. And so I think that what is happening is they actually had good players. It took a while for them to get all on the same page. And not only that, but now you've created depth in this great way that you didn't really have before that wasn't going to be achieved if Matt Milano's playing all year, you know, gutting out injuries. Sure, maybe like there's some better things that happen, but one of the things you're going to probably end up missing is AJ Klein developing into the type of player and also Leslie Frazier understanding how to use him that they have. And so to me, like, and the same with like Levi Wallace, like this Levi Wallace game to me is the cult culmination of he got thrown into the fire and he's like, you know, he's coming out better. You know, the iron has, in fact, sharped the iron now. <clears throat> and it couldn't have come at a better time because it's the end of the year and things are coming together. So for me on defense, I think that's what it is. I think it took time for things to come together. And and that's just it. It's 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 come together. Scott or Paul? Yep, I agree. Takes time. Okay. No, no preseason, no training camp. New pieces come together. Also, bye week helped. They yeah, haven't, they haven't yeah. had issues since the bye week in the run game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's some of it. I think it's also, um, I also again, I, I, I think the defense is playing better. I think the defense is better. I am not 100% sold on the defense either. Yeah. I still think there's there's holes on it um, more so than on the offense. Like, I think the run games kind of come on to the point where I can trust them to get 75 yards a game and keep people honest on play action. 
Whereas with the run defense, I think they've had a, a good run of it, but I've also, I'm also i not sure that they're playing the best teams right now. So I, I think I'm not quite sold on them in general, but that's, but are, you know, I think they're better in general from the season and due to all the reasons you mentioned. So I think that, yeah, I think the good news is like, they're going to get the AFC East crown here. And then it's a matter of like, just matchups really. And, and it, it can get really favorable, favorable other than yeah. a few teams that I think that, you know, we can talk about maybe even next week. Um, Allen was really inaccurate deep. There are a handful of times his receivers beat the coverage badly, but Allen failed to capitalize. I think that's true. But I think one of the nice things about him is that, you know, he can get 15 yards down the field and I, I don't need him to, and, and, you know, he also got hit on the arm that one time. Yeah, where he was... and he threw off his back foot with pressure a couple other times. That yeah. stood out to me. I, I Like the one time I think it was Davis, he missed deep. Like he had a guy in his face and he threw off his back foot. And yeah, he missed. it happens. I wasn't but, worried. I don't know. As, as long as he's playing like this, like as we talked about this year, I I don't know. I can't really criticize him. I, every quarterback has, you know, other than maybe two have, you know, holes in their game. And the fact that he has this many not holes now is amazing. Uh, Knox was heavily targeted. Do you think that this was part of the game plan or just the way things played out? Speaking of Knox, do you want to stick with him or switch back to Croft? We talked a little bit about that. Um, I don't know. I don't, I, I can't, I, I can't speak to the game plan or anything. I don't know. Um, I think, I think they wanted to use him more. I think that is taking advantage of the, those linebacker injuries that we heard about with the Steelers. Remember with their right. oh, he was linebackers yeah. being all, all dinged up. So I think that's probably part of it also without Dupree now for the second week in a row. So I think that, that definitely was part of the game plan. Um, and yeah, we already talked about whether or not, you know, I think, I mean, yeah, I'm fine. Kind of Knox gives you enough to where. He's not really like he's replacement level tight end, which is not really saying a lot right now. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if Croft is better, it's not by a lot. So I don't think we're losing a lot by giving Croft a little more run. I don't know why we're not having them both run out there every week, but that's that's a separate conversation. Yeah, Reggie Gilliam is out there every week, so it is interesting. Yeah, we will probably, like I said, save him for the playoffs. Probably like the, the secret super package. Uh, and lastly, from Stephen, regarding Johnson's pick six, just wondering what your guys need <laughs> in momentum in sports. And I'm not going to answer that question because I know that Stephen's listened long enough to know what we think of that. <laughs> I think he, he's curious, though. I okay. we should go into too much detail. I did promise him we'd get a lot of mileage out of the question simply because we've gone into it at the bar. <laughs> uh, so I will try and keep my answer to less than 30 seconds and call time if I don't. But I will say I'm a full believer in momentum just as in anyone's day-to-day job if you have gotten praise if you are on a roll you continue to be on a roll and if something interrupts you something brings you down that is going to affect things whether or not you have the ability to do the task at hand i think in sports adrenaline fueled uh especially uh in sports that adrenaline is definitely a thing at least within the course of a game and then more debatably over the course of from game to game over the course of a season. Momentum is bullshit. I I think I think momentum. <laughs> Sorry, I think, teasing. I think momentum is a, is not a thing. I think there are times when, as Paul said, you have good mental focus and acuity, and you're in the zone, and you can play well doing that. But uh, and sometimes you are not in the zone. But that is how you come in and out of those things is not something that you can. Like we haven't figured out how to unlock that. Like that, like it works until 
the plan changes and suddenly you're presented with a new situation and you're and 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 then you're not in the zone anymore. Like it's just that simple. So it's not it's not um it's it's tough to break up someone being in the zone other than just doing your job better, which is the which is not different than how you do it if someone wasn't in the zone. So mm-hmm. yeah, we need a momentum episode at the end of the season because I disagreed with so much of that, but we we are like an hour and well the good news in. is is like you know we have so much else going on that like we don't have time for that, right? Like it's yeah. not the time. So this is. This is okay. We'll get to it, Stephen. And we honor and believe that you believe what you believe, Paul. And <laughs> what else do we? What else we believe is that, of course, that uh, it is time for the single best segment in all of sports podcasting, the Stan Bills headlines. Um, quickly, well, you know what? Whatever. You guys can look up the injury report. There's nothing great on, nothing terrible on yeah. there, other than Teron Johnson apparently had a concussion, uh, which hopefully he will come back from, and. Uh, Everything else is kind of what it's been. Yep. Oh, and 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 Smoke Brown has been activated, but there's a question about whether he'll play this weekend because it's in Denver and there's a sickle cell anemia thing, and you can read about that. Paul Paul will tweet about that with you. Yep. But gladly do so. But we'll move on to this day in Bills headlines for December 16th. So uh, Frank referenced this game. We all remember it well. It showed up in my Facebook memories uh, since we posted these the day after the game. Uh, Blank picks great time to make huge fir- make first huge play for Bills. Blank's first big play for the Buffalo Bills was a long time coming, but, coming, but came at a great time. Blank's 14-yard touchdown catch, his first as a Bill, was the winning score in Buffalo's 70-10 victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers, which will send them to the playoffs. Says it was awesome. I'm not going to lie. It's been a marathon this year. We, we really ought to know this because we were at the game, right? Yeah, but you can't really see the jerseys, so. Because <laughs> uh, it was at the other end of the field, right? Right. It was at the other end, but but come on, guys, is my thing, because we have mentioned this player's name no fewer than 10 times on this podcast. Well, it's not Stefan Diggs. So no. is it Dawson Knox? No. Tyler Croft. <laughs> Tyler, Croft. <laughs> Tyler Croft, yes. Hey, good job, Tyler Croft. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. It was the throwback, right? <laughs> That's it was right. the throwback. Yes, said he missed most of last season with a broken foot, blah, blah, blah. I didn't even want to get to those hints. Um, all right, a little, little rocky on the start, but we're, we're doing okay. 2017, rookie Blank, now the guy at linebacker for Bills. Blank is a guy that has consistently gained confidence in himself in the scheme. I think his production and his play has exemplified that on the field since he's gotten here, veteran linebacker Lorenzo Alexander said. He's a guy that's humble, eager to learn, and always taking advice, whether it's from a veteran player like myself or the coaching staff. He's been dialed in since day one. It's great to see him get his opportunity because he was doing a great job on special teams and filling in as a rotational guy. Now he's the guy. Linebacker? Linebacker. Here's 2017. So it's before... Is, it, is this Lorax? Lorax is the one Lorax. who... Was, oh, Lorax said that. Okay, yeah. Um... And Remember the headline, before, rookie blank, now the guy at linebacker for Bills. Now, so is, he, it too, is it Milano? Milano, Matt Milano. Really? Ramon Humber, and Humber was getting the starts, yeah. and Milano was just a spot guy. And then he came in by the end of the year and was a full-time starter. All right. This one was a tougher one for me, but we'll see how you guys uh, do. And to answer a quick question... Frank, yes, I did. Okay. Uh, I so, was getting security yeah. notices. Okay, we're good. Right. Um, Buffalo Bills blank 
among PFF's 10 best free agent signings. If you saw Blank finally emerging as a playmaking linebacker in his fifth season in the league, congratulations, you're smarter than just about every GM in the NFL. This was a 2012 round two pick by Tennessee out of North Carolina. He spent 2012 to 2015 with the Titans before signing with Buffalo. He was second team all pro and made the Pro Bowl as a bill in 2016, but it was his only season with the team. In his only career Pro Bowl, he recorded 149 combined tackles. Zach Brown, you you knew, wow. you knew Scott. I would not have gotten that readily because I, I forgot what a great season he had before he ended up. He played really well that year. All right. We're going to go back to 2009 now, so a bit of a gap. Bills claim veteran guard blank. Blank is a five-year veteran who spent his entire career with the Rams after being drafted in the third round in 2005. He has frequently landed in trouble for playing long after the whistle and was named the dirtiest player in the NFL earlier this year by the Sporting News. Huh. 2009? 2009. Before Incognito. Mm, no, this was Incognito. Oh. Okay. It was Incognito oh, it was the first, first time. Yes. I remember there was Incognito 1.0 and Incognito 2.0. So yeah, this was Incognito like 1. 5. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this was his debut with the Bills before he moved around and then came back to the Bills in the mid-2010s. Mm-hmm. All right. 2008. Frank, this is what I referenced earlier about us thinking something Billsy was all going to happen. So this is the headline from my cell phone on a text from Frank. Mm. Hey, how come blank hasn't pulled Lynch and called three passes in a row? Now, the context oh. of this, there were two minutes and eight seconds left in the game that the Bills led over the Jets 27 to 24. They had run Marshawn Lynch four straight plays. Lynch picked up a first down after three carries and then five yards on first down, giving the Bills a second and five and forcing the Jets <laughs> to use a timeout in a game where Marshawn at this point had run for 127 <laughs> yards and was averaging more than six yards per carry. So let me read the summary of the next play, 206 in the fourth quarter. Remember, Marshawn, under 27 yards, everything I just mentioned. Jay Lossman sacked at Buffalo 16 for minus 11 yards by A. Elam. Fumbles, A. Elam forced. Touched at Buffalo 16, recovered by New York Jets, S. Ellis at Buffalo 11. S. Ellis for 11 yards. Touchdown. So the headline again, hey, how come Plank hasn't pulled Lynch and called three passes in a row? And when uh-huh. Frank texted that, it went from Lynch, 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 Lynch to... Hey, let's do a play action with Lossman. It's it's got to be it's got to be Turk. Turk, yep, Turk Schoner. Oh, God. Oh, I felt that was that was like a gut sucking awful day. Like that was just like a terrible moment. <laughs> oh, that was, was Malarkey the head coach then, or was that Jaron? Yeah, uh, it was Jaron, and Jaron. That point it was in right after Malarkey. Yeah. Yep. All right, two thousand and three, blanks TD up for play of the week. Uh, blanks. Diving six-yard TD reception of a Drew Bledsoe pass with 29 seconds left in the fourth quarter is among five Week 15 nominees for NFL Play of the Week. Trailing 28-20 to 20 at the end of the game, Buffalo had a chance to force overtime when Drew Bledsoe drove the Bills 81 yards in nine plays and found blank on the TD pass. But Bobby Shaw could not control low pass in the right corner of the end zone on the two-point conversion try. Shaw said he caught the ball, which, by the way, he did. I remember this play distinctly, but it was ruled incomplete. Replay review did not help. Mm-hmm. This is an undrafted signee by Cleveland out of Michigan, 1999. 
played four seasons with the Browns before becoming a starter in Buffalo for three seasons, then finishing his career in three years with New Orleans. And what I want to bring up, there's an April 2020 article with the headline, former Michigan slash NFL tight end blank recounts COVID-19 fight. And it notes blank now 25 pounds lighter after roughly 30 days in quarantine was one of eight coronavirus survivors to meet with President Donald Trump and Vice President Mike Pence on Tuesday at the White House. Blank expressed his concern for the district Detroit, which has been hit hard with coronavirus, and he said his desperate need of support. President Trump said to Blank, you're a big, powerful guy, and this little bug knocked you the hell out, right? I don't know. He was... Uh, he said he had 17 straight days with a fever over 101. So this was the Bills' go-to tight end. He was a starter at tight end for... Uh, you know, pretty much all of his three seasons in Buffalo. Reamers, though? Nope. Right. This is the first post-Reamers must starter, not counting Dave Moore. Okay. So. Oh, three. Okay. Yeah, this is way before Greg and Royal and. Yeah, uh, about two, two or three years before Royal, at least. Um. They all kind of blend together. So, like, Royal could have been five years ago or 15 years ago. <laughs> That's sure. a good point. Um, but it's not. Scott Chandler was much later. Much later. Right. He was um, the 2010s guy. He was a Chan guy. This guy, um, uh, this is too, no, that was too much of a hint. But we got to move it along. Think yeah, come on. Soup. What is it? Soup. Think of oh, soup. Oh, Mark Campbell. Mark Campbell. Very Mark, good. All right. All right. Two quick things to mention on these are, these are no quizzes, but the 2002 headline, Bolts QB of the future stuck in neutral, while Do- Doug Flutie no longer poses a threat to Drew Brees. Uh, at issue is whether Drew Brees is the answer. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. yeah, he's now the yeah. NFL's all-time leading passer 18 years later. Okay. And then my favorite 2001, also no quiz, Tom Brady, who entered the 2001 season anonymously and he's likely to leave it as a millionaire, will be starting quarterback for New England. The starting aspect is he might be the Pat starter next season. <laughs> <laughs> he might be. Might he be. might be. Great, great foresight oh, on that. All right, so a couple of Bill's headlines left from the Rochester Business Journal. Six Buffalo Bills to play in Pro Bowl. This is 1998. Um, okay. I could give you positions or, or just go. Just go with 1998 Buffalo Bills? Yep. Okay, so Doug Flutie? Uh, he did indeed make it as a reserve. Okay. Eric Moltz? He also made it as a reserve. Okay. These count, though. They're part of they the do. six. They do, yes. These are two okay. of the six um, we have named. 19, is this Bryce Pop still? Nope, a little bit past Pop. Okay. What was that, Scott? Coward? Uh, Coward? No, and he would have been on the team, too. It was, mm. I think Coward made it in 99. Sam Rogers? Uh, nope, not Rogers. I'll give you so I'll give you the positions of the other yeah, four. Okay. Defensive end, guard, fullback, and nose tackle. Sam Gash? Sam Gash is the fullback. Logan right. Brown? Uh, I know who you mean, Scott. Yeah, yeah, that guy. <laughs> Ruben Brown. Ruben Brown. <laughs> Logan Brown. Ruben Brown. Okay, so we need the nose tackle. And the, what was the other end. one? Defensive end. So the defensive on that team. Um, this is obviously past Bruce Smith. No, no. Okay, Bruce then Bruce Smith. Smith. Bruce Smith is yeah. going to get a popularity cut vote. Yep. So we okay. need the nose tackle. Um, it's somebody I know, right? You're going to be. Oh like, yeah, this is this is not a uh, this is not a name. You'll be like, hmm, I barely remember him. You'll remember this guy. Before Pat Williams, right? Right, but he actually played alongside Pat Williams for a little bit when the Bills went to a 4-3, and that made it like a totally unstoppable force on the inside. 
Well, you might have to give it to me because I know I'm I'm drawing the blank. All right, uh-huh. where where do I live? Washington, Ted Washington. Ted Washington. Nice. Washington. I was like, I thought he I was, was going to say, bills, but I'm like, he I was going to say, he bills, just he? said Logan. <laughs> um, yeah, Logan Brown equals both Ruben Brown, Ted Logan Washington. Logan Brown is a, is a is a is a freshman tackle at Wisconsin. So for <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we got five. Yeah, really, no, did well. We got uh, too many hits. Yeah. 1997. Blank shares blame for Bill's struggles. Buffalo Bills general manager Blank is as frustrated as anyone by the team's obvious talent shortcomings this season. He says he deserves a good share of the blame for them. No matter what anybody wants to say about coaching, a coach is only as good as the personnel. Blank said Monday, yes, there can be a combination of both coaching talent, but I've got to tell myself, you've got to do better. Bill Polian. No, the guy after Polian. Joined Before- the so after Polian, he joined oh. the Bills in 87 as a personnel director, right. became the team's GM in 93 after Polian left. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Oh. During his tenure there, the Bills went to the playoffs 10 times and had a record of 140 and 83. He later went on to become San Diego's uh, general manager for three seasons and took Marcellus Wiley. He drafted Drew Bees and the, the Damian Tomlinson in San Diego. And he died of lymphoma in 2003. Damn it. I know this person's name and I'm ashamed I can't think of it. All right, uh, Bill, think of a great Bills receiver from the early 1980s who's come up before. Uh, Andre. Before Andre. Jerry. Oh, G- not Jerry. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jerry Butler, but it's it's right. the... Um, same, same last name. Right, right, right. John Butler. John, John Butler. Butler. Scott oh, Cuffin. All right. Fuck. It's all right. It. Sorry, John Butler. No, John Butler was a really decent GM, and I should know. He that. was. He was. Yeah. We should know him now. All right. Well, you'll remember him next time. And the last right. one for December 6th. This will be December, excuse me, December 16th, 1992. <laughs> Bill's Blank featured on Buffalo News Poster. Uh, veteran left guard Blank has seen plenty of ups and downs with the Bills. In his 13th season out of North Carolina State, Blank set the all-time record, Bills record by playing in his 198th game, the Bills' victory over Atlanta on November 22nd. He also is one of two Bills, Bruce Smith being the other, to win the Outland Trophy given to the nation's top two college linemen. So this was a pro bowler for the Bills in 91-2. and two. Uh, 91-92, he is on the team's wall of fame. Uh, he played with the Bills through 93 and finished his career with two years with the Falcons, and he has been a pilot with American Airlines for many years since. Darryl I Talley? think he's... No, no. Uh, veteran left Atlanta. guard. Left yeah. guard. Oh, sorry. I was thinking about the line. Sorry. That, well, he would have been a linebacker. But um, okay. So veteran left. I think he's still the all-time, and I'll Google this quickly, but I think he's still the all-time Bills leader in uh, games played. So the line was. It was Ballard. Why am I? Yeah, what Ballard was, was on the line. Uh, Ooh, he is now um, he is now second is now in games played to a guy named played. Brian Mormon. Lord. Uh, Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> Darth. All He's right, on the uh, Wall of Fame. Is it so? Wait, so wait. When did you? He was from. When did he start? In the eighties. Seventeen seventy-nine or eighty. I'll okay, so it's not Joe Delamalure. Because no. that's way too old. Right. So. Yeah, 1980 was his first year with the Bills. He was NC State, who's retired as number 51. 218 games played in the NFL. Good player. 
Guy who's always who used to be up for Hall of Fame voting but never got enough momentum. He is in the college football hall of fame. Right. Now you're gonna yeah, another one right. sne- It's yeah. gonna be Jim Richer. Jim Richer. Yeah, Jim Richer was like a little before I was paying attention to the Bills. Yeah. He was at the end for me. Like that was the his end was my beginning, so that's why I don't really think of Jim Richer. Well, the end is the beginning is the end, as Smashing Pumpkins taught us. So Precisely. Yep. That was this day in Bill's headlines for December 16th at the hour and 24-minute mark. I'm sorry that went on so long. No, no, no. We we were already over an hour by the time we started, so we're yeah. good. But I'm going to let you know the Bills are, from what I'm finding, a consensus six-and-a-half-point favorite over the Denver Broncos. Uh, the Broncos are a team that does some things well, but not enough things well. Um, it's... Um, in Denver, it's on Saturday. It's 4.30. What do we make of it? I will say, yeah, the Broncos have a, a, a couple things that are going to worry you. Um, you know, that that's just not, you know, a little bit of a run game. They're a little banged up there. They've got Jerry Judy, who's a little wide receiver, who's fast and can hit you deep. Decent tight ends. The line's okay. You know, they're they're an okay team. They're a mediocre team, but they're and they're playing at home. But there's no real reason that if the Bills put all of their pieces together, that they shouldn't be able to to take advantage of to a certain extent a bit of a uh, a suspect secondary. Um, they were able to hang in there again in a in a game against Kansas City two weeks ago. Um, so they're 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 not they're they are still playing. Um, they're not. They haven't kind of phoned in the season. Um, I'd like to think the Bills can can match uh, what Kansas City did. They they Kansas City won 22-16. I would put the Bills in at about that. I think we'll we'll be we'll 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 see. I think I'll put us at 27-17. Um, maybe I'm being a bit bold. They've beaten Carolina since then, so they're still playing. Locks kind of come on a little bit. Um, the last couple of weeks, he was dinged. He obviously, this was the, the famous game that they lost to the yeah. Saints when they didn't have yeah. starting quarterbacks three weeks ago. Um, but other than that, Locke's been playing well. So, I'll, I'll, yeah, 27-17 might seem a bit low, um, but I think the Bills get it done regardless. So. Okay. Yep, I, I'm largely in agreement with Scott on this. The Broncos are no uh, laughing matter of a team. They had an easier time of the with the Dolphins and the Patriots than the Bills did. They hung in there uh, better against the much better against the Titans and against the Chiefs uh, than the Bills did. Though the Chiefs did hang in toward the end of the Titans game, and they you know they have some some talent on this squad. Uh, but ultimately, I think the Bills are just a little too much. They are a better team. This game is still meaningful uh, for the Bills, not really, but they think it is. And so I'm going to say 30 to 18 for Buffalo on this one. Very nice. Paul no longer trying to chase the trophy here. No, uh, I'm out uh, of it now. I think I'm something like uh, eight and five, maybe. And you're that's like okay. 12 and one. I something. Well, like that. the good news for, for both of you is I have a good feeling about this game as well. And I, I think it largely rests a bit. I, I'm actually going to be a bit more aggressive than both of you. I think like 30 to 14 is kind of the right score. I think Denver does do some things well. And I think if this was earlier in the season, it might be a different kind of game. But I think that, I think that at some point, you know, Buffalo can taste it now, right? Like they just had probably their best game against, you know, the best team they've been doing that week. I feel like for the last couple of weeks, we've been saying like, well, that's the best 
X about this. And they've progressively like gotten more and more dominant. And I don't want to say that like they're just like a juggernaut, but I think that Buffalo can – I think Josh Allen strikes me as the type of person who literally has a firm grasp that this week you can do something special and you don't want to back into it. You don't want to win the AFC crown this week on Sunday when the Dolphins drop one on accident um, or have to wait till next week to do it. You want to go and take care of your business now. And I think that one of the good things that I've always felt about a Sean McDermott team really is like that's a that's a sense that gets taken seriously. It's a little momentum wishy-washy, I understand. Um, and if it was the only reason that uh, I was going to pick them, I wouldn't necessarily do it. But I think you combine that with the fact that they are clearly the more talented team and that they're going to be playing full speed and you could get up at halftime and, and kind of cruise into a victory and, you know, start really kind of looking at setting yourself up for the playoffs. I think that all the all the big um, good things that they can do are right here. And McDermott at Al will, in fact, capitalize their their uh, their of. So I, I'll say, you know, I think that. They'll fire on all all cylinders. 30 to 14 sounds good to me. I wouldn't – if it was 30 to 21, it might be like a late touchdown. I could see them giving up. You know, Buffalo seems like they could do that. But for me, they're going to put this team away. They got a taste for it now. If you got a taste for this podcast, MNY Bills on the Twitter, bbillsmny uh, at gmail.com, which I just looked at for the first time because we were getting security hacking alerts. And it was just Paul. It was just me show. trying to hack it because it said we hadn't checked the account in over a year. Yeah. And I thought maybe yeah. I should do that. Yeah, we had a couple of sponsorship opportunities that we turned down. So that's fine. <laughs> okay. And and one one person who wrote a very nice email in April. So maybe we'll read that next week. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Um, so I'm very sorry that we didn't look at your email, but I just saw it now. We've warned you. Don't email us because it could be yours before we look at it. Um, you can do that or you can go to Facebook.com forward slash B Bills MNY, a holdover from the older days. Um, you can find us on anchor.fm, search Buffalo Bills maybe next year, refer us to a, a friend if you would. Um, it's exciting times in Bills football, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.